Howdy. This is the Views from the Shot podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today it is Wednesday, January 31st, 2024. And I wish you a very, very, very happy appreciate your social security check day. Today's show is, as always, presented by Big Banter Sports. And it's another day and another loss for the Ohio State University men's basketball team. Today's show, hopefully, will have far more emotional stability than Coleman Hawkins and far less theatrics than a Big Ten official on a random Tuesday night. We are going to cover everything that pertains to Ohio State's loss to Illinois that happened just last evening, including a game recap and some key takeaways to this one. We'll talk about Ohio State's tournament chances at this point. We'll talk about this team in general, defensively, offensively, some pretty key stats there that you may not be aware of. And is this team actually good or not? I'm going to give you my take there during today's show would appreciate if you would give a follow or a subscribe wherever you take in your podcast spotify twitter appreciate that and please i you know in the last show i said i'm not going to beg in this one i will please just do this okay ohio state basketball is reeling right now and i can tell you after losses And particularly when the season is in a lull, like it is right now, where Ohio State has now lost six of seven, sometimes listenership goes down. And that makes me sad. So, just do one thing. Please, I'm begging you. I will beg you at this point. My hands are open, and I'm looking up at you, the listener, saying, please hear me. Please, open up your heart to me. Just do one simple thing. Go to the tweet that has the link for this episode and just hit like go to twitter go to views from the shop podcast or just at the shop pod doesn't matter how you type it in you'll find it either way and just like the tweet i would appreciate it i see you when you do every time those of you who do so come on come come sit at the table with me and with a couple other friends who are constantly liking the tweets which i appreciate Come on, join. It's not so bad. The seat is warm. It's ready for you. Speaking of warm seats, Chris Holtman. How is that seat feeling now? Um, I guess we'll get into it since I just brought it up. Not really how I was planning to start the show, but since we're here, how hot is Chris Holtman's seat? I've been pretty clear, and if you miss episodes, and that's fine, but you, you may know where I'm at with this, but... I've been pretty clear. I don't think Chris Holtman's job is in jeopardy. But I will say this, and I'll get into this in the takeaways as well. Spoiler alert. When you are performing this poorly, you might be forcing Gene Smith's hand at this point to say, "Mm, I don't think this is going to work out, Chris. We're going to have to buy you out, and I'm going to let my new AD kind of make a decision with me. Now, the, the, the issue here is that Ross Bjork, the new athletics director for The Ohio State University, 
He does not start until July 1st, and in the introductory press conference, it was stated and made very clear that Gene Smith is the AD until July 1st. It's hard for me to believe, especially with the state of the basketball program, that Ross Bjork wouldn't have come onto Ohio State with at least some kind of secret, backdoor, middle-of-the-night handshake with Gene Smith that said, hey, um... If this basketball team is still bad, you're going to have to do something about this. I, I don't want to do this. And I don't want to have to go another year with Chris Holtman. That was my belief, was that essentially Ross Bjork would want one more year to evaluate Chris Holtman. Wouldn't necessarily want to pay that buyout due to his history of paying buyouts at Texas A&M and previous roles. So maybe he wants a year to evaluate Chris Holtman himself before he makes a decision. I'm really not so sure anymore, and that's simply only because of how poor Ohio State has been playing. And if there's no progress down the stretch, it's been very clear, it's been communicated to me that if there is progress, the conversation between Chris Holtman and Gene Smith right now and in the past several weeks have been, show me progress and you will be fine. It doesn't even necessarily mean make the NCAA tournament, but if you make the NIT tournament and win a couple games, that's progress and that's enough for Chris Holtman to keep his job. At this point, there's been no progress. It's been regression upon regression upon regression. So that's no fun. But far be it to, for, for me to judge where Chris Holtman may, may be at the end of the year. It is the end of January. And, and we've got an entire month and some change here before the season ends. So let's get into this Ohio State matchup with Illinois. Well, Coming into this game, if you heard the preview episode, I made it pretty clear that I didn't think Ohio State could win this game. Mm, they could win the game. I, I, I laid out the path for Ohio State to be in this game. I didn't think that Ohio State was going to win the game. And I tell you what, when that number came out this morning, yesterday morning, sorry, where Ohio State was a two and a half to three and a half point underdog, what on earth are we doing, Vegas? Vegas continues while Ohio State is now in a two-year stretch against the spread where they're just really, really bad. And if you're not into betting, that's fine. But when you're not winning against the spread, it's simply showing that you're not performing to expectations. That's all it is. And when you're that bad two years in a row and you're going to give me two and a half points, uh, yeah, I'm going to take it. And there was even value on the money line. And I don't know who in Buckeye Nation joined me and said, hey, let's put money on Illinois money line and maybe jinx Illinois, Ohio State will win, right? Didn't work. I thought Ohio State was was pretty far well outmatched matchup-wise in this one. And that's how it went. I said it would be a win, a moral victory, progress for Ohio State if they could lose by 12 or less. They did not lose by 12 or less and this one they lose 87 to 75 losing by 12 giving up 41 points in the first half 46 points in the second half but let's start with the first half shall we we get a fast start at the beginning of this game four lead changes in the first eight minutes and that is simply a good sign showing hey ohio state has life in this one ohio state may potentially be in this game with i don't know five minutes left in the first half that would be a plus over the game against northwestern where it really never felt like the buckeyes were in it for all that long so four lead changes in the first eight minutes 
You'll take that. Roddy Gale, by the way, six points in the first eight minutes, two made shots from the mid-range, and a dunk. Roddy Gale Jr. getting going early, huge for Ohio State. Can we slowly and surely start to heave and hoist and pull Roddy Gale out of the ditch that he has been playing in and rolling around in and twiddling his fingers upon for the past several games? Good start for Roddy Gale. Illinois, on the other end, only two second chance points. Two points off second chances? Either or, hither thither, doesn't matter. Ohio State gets off to a pretty solid start in this one. And then, as we transition into, hey, we're not just getting a sweat in, but this game is actually being played and we're getting settled in. Ohio State, Chris Holtman is giving their starters more run to start the game. In the first 12 minutes, four out of Ohio State's five starters had 11 minutes or more. Felix Akpara missed some time with said key coming in. And Dale Bonner did not play in the first 12 minutes. Devin Royal did not play in the first 12 minutes. And Scotty Middleton had two whole minutes. Cool. And that led to Ohio State leading 26 to 23. Not 6 to 3, not 16 to 13. Although I think the score was also 16 to 13 in this one. Could be wrong. Doesn't matter. But we're seeing Ohio State playing hard, playing well with a top 15 team in the nation in Illinois. And I personally think Illinois is a, you're heading into March. This is a, a team that is probably top 10 in the nation. I know things will fluctuate. They just lost to Northwestern, whatever. This Illinois team is really, really good. And Ohio State's playing with them. And then you get a little bit more of a spark. The Buckeyes take a five point lead. That was the biggest lead of the game to that point by either team. Jamison Battle makes a layup with 6.47 left in the first half. And the question again, can Ohio State for once close out a half well or at least maintain the lead? Answer, Illinois scores seven straight points to take the lead. It's almost comical. I mean, it it, it is it is like the script has already been written and Ohio State has been cursed. The Ohio State University Buckeyes are not going to close out a half well. They just simply won't. At the end of the first half, if the Buckeyes are leading by two, by the end of the half, it, they'll be down by five or six or seven or eight or nine. Trailing by nine against Michigan after how that first half went. I mean, come on. So that's just how it goes, right? That's how it goes with Ohio State basketball at this point. And then the Buckeyes come out in that little cute 1-3-1 zone. I don't have the numbers, but I can tell you this isn't a narrative. To this point in the first half, it, it's just clear. Why are we still trying this? The the defensive rating Ohio State sports with this random 1-3-1 thrown in at a couple times a game would make the NBA All-Star game blush. I mean, it is bad. Like, 1-3-1, pass, pass, skip, pass, get the ball inside, get it back outside, three, cash it. Three, bang, bring out Mike Breen. Let him yell a little bit, spit all over his microphone. It's just how it goes with the one three one, and that's exactly what happened in the first half. Ohio State comes out in the one three one zone. What happens? Immediate bucket for Illinois. It's just I don't get it, and I get Ohio State came out with that in the second half, and they actually did speed up Illinois a little bit. They made them look a little uncomfortable, but uh, according to the stats, my, my stats and info department here, Illinois scored eighty seven points 
in this game. So clearly it didn't work all that well. And then to close the half, it's it's so clear at this point, Bruce Thornton is the team's MVP. Without him on the floor, this offense is putrid. In the final six and a half minutes, Ohio State would make a single free throw. No, not free throw. Field goal, sorry. And they would miss eight of their final nine. Finding Illini, on the other hand, they pick up two offensive rebounds in the final three minutes, helped Illinois close the half on 11-4 run in the final five minutes. And without Bruce Thornton in there, Dale Bonner, Evan Mahaffey, whew, Evan Mahaffey, hustles, good, good length, really good length. Um, a guy deserving of getting minutes for any Division One basketball team, probably, at least some minutes. Evan Mahaffey cannot handle the ball and cannot direct an offense. Dale Bonner apparently cannot either. A couple lazy closeouts from him at the end of the first half, nothing offensively. And when that happens and you don't have Bruce Thornton on the floor, hard to do anything offensively. At halftime, Bruce Thornton only had two points, one of five from the field. And the Buckeyes trailed at the half 41 to 34 after being in it for most of the first half until, of course, the final couple minutes of the first half. And then the second half. If you watch, just go back and watch. I'm pretty sure you can find these games on YouTube. If you don't DVR these, then find it somewhere. The first half, Ohio State was successful offensively. If you watch the first couple sets of that game, it was clear. It was an emphasis. It was almost like you're scripting a game in, in the NFL. You're scripting a half or, or college football or even high school or I don't know third grade football um the 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 advantage here that you have in scripting a half is you drop a couple plays couple sets you think are going to work you're going to use you know a floppy motion or you're going to use celtic or chicago or whatever ohio state likes to use whatever they feel good about and that's what they did in the first half and it led to points and then in the second half it's like let's just stop doing that and see if that works Let's just give Bruce Thornton the ball. Let him chuck it to Roddy Gale. Roddy Gale gets a gets a high ball screen from Felix Akpara. Felix Akpara rolls to the rim. And Gale can't create anything. So we're going to swing the ball around the, the arc a couple times. Take a ball screen. Go iso ball. Try to get a bucket. It doesn't work. For the 967th time, I will say this. Ohio State, while they bring in good recruiting classes, at least over the past two years, they've been very good. Stick around to hear how good, if you don't already know. They do not have Duke or Kansas or North Carolina or USC, who sucks this year. But the traditional Kentuckys of the world, where we're going to bring in six, seven freshmen, who we know half of them are going to go to the NBA next year, but we're going to rent them because they're NBA players and they can go get a bucket whenever we need. Ohio State is not there with Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale. So when you're doing that, when you have that amount of stagnation, and Illinois is not threatened in the slightest, it's not going to go well for you. But then the Buckeyes get a chance to get back in it. Coleman Hawkins gets teed up. Our friend Stephen Bardo says it's because of his reputation that he received that technical foul. But... I would argue that if you're simply a highly emotional person, more often than not, you're going to be more likely to get teed up more and more. That's simply how it works. But 
Wow, far be it for me to criticize Stephen Bardo, who for some reason keeps getting Ohio State games. Jameson Battle hits his free throw. Scotty Middleton makes a floater. It's 55-48 to with 14 minutes left in the game. But the Buckeyes just could not get into a flow after that. And my question at that point, 14, 12 minutes into the game, is where the heck is Bowen Hardman? Bowen Hardman, the only player to not have a negative plus minus in the last game against Northwestern. Bowen Hardman, the player at 11 points in 7 minutes against Nebraska. I've said it before. I don't really buy in in Bowen Hardman being a guy who can have the incredible offensive output that he's had in the past couple games in very, very small amounts of playing time. But if he's literally the only player on the floor giving you a spark on that entire roster, when you start with with Chris Holtman and you go to Scotty Middleton on the bench, and then you get to Kalen Etzler, and then you get to Colby Ballman, and now you're even past that, and you're getting to the training staff and Terrence Dials and Q Banks. The only player on that entire bench is Bowen Hardman, who has given you anything this year. Why is he not on the floor? I, again, I don't think that he is a player who should be getting 15, 20 minutes a game. I don't. But if he's going to give you a spark, give him a couple minutes and see what happens. So here we go. Ohio State, they score six unanswered. And this is where I have a a very, very critical viewpoint of Chris Holtman in this game. Buckeyes get a few dunks. They rebound well. They force a turnover. After that 6-0 run, Chris Holtman runs out on the floor and he calls a timeout. I recall a time in the first half when Ohio State had three timeouts and the offense was anemic, closing out that first half. Bruce Thornton is sitting on the sideline, sitting by the scorer's table, waiting to get subbed in. But there's no stoppage in play, so he can't come in. Chris Holtman decided not to take a timeout, and that's fine. If you want to have two timeouts, or or if you want to take one timeout, in the first half and carry three into the second half, that is fine with me. But if you're going to be willing to call a timeout when you're on a six to nothing run and you have no subs coming in, but in the first half you're playing horrible basketball, you're getting nothing offensively, and your best player is sitting on the floor waiting to get it subbed in, I need you to make that make sense for me. I don't get it. So at the timeout, Ohio State trails by 10. Instantly. That wasn't a very good snap. Let me try it again. How's that? I I feel like I've tried that before. I don't know if you can hear it. It's an okay mic. It's a good mic. So, Ohio State down by 10 at the timeout. That lead balloons to 16. And with seven minutes left in the game, not only has Ohio State just lost the run and the momentum that that it had, and for the first time it had momentum, the first time the entire second half, Ohio State has momentum. Ohio State has also allowed 76 points with seven minutes left in the game. You cannot, you cannot win giving up 76 points with seven minutes left in a game in Big Ten basketball. You simply cannot have that. So naturally, Ohio State says we need to change things up and that's fine. I'm all for adjustments. Ohio State goes small ball. So Devin Royal playing the five. Bowen Hardman finally enters the game at that point. Royal strips Terrence Shannon Jr. 
Uh, no words for, for how that's possible, but incredible job, Devin Royal. Cookies. He says cookies. Looks He looks Terrence Shannon Jr. in the eyes, and he says cookies. And then he gets the ball. He wrangles it. They push the ball up the floor. And then Bowen Hardman just decides, well, I don't know how many minutes I'm going to get. So let's let him fly. Let's have some fun out here. I'm a basketball player. I shoot. That's what I do. Bowen Hardman throws up a quick shot right in front of the three-point line, one of the lower percentage shots in the game, if not the lowest percentage shot, other than maybe, I don't know, shooting from behind half court. He decides to throw up a shot, doesn't go in, but the Buckeyes get fouled. Luckily, Devin Royal gets a couple free throw attempts, and you've got some momentum still. Devin Royal, on the next possession, he pulls up with another quick shot. It's a low-quality shot. He misses, and at that point, Ohio State's just forcing it. You've got... Bowen Hardman in there. You've got Devin Royal in there paired with, I believe Scotty Middleton was in there for a while. Bruce Thornton as well. And there's just, there's no meshing. There's no gelling from this offense from Ohio state. And they're just never able to get back into this game. They cut it back down to, to 10 a couple times, but overall Illinois really under four minutes didn't have to worry about losing this game. And that's how the game went. It was, I think mismanagement on Chris Holtman's behalf with timeouts. I think it was very, very poor play from Ohio State defensively where the effort simply was not there. And that's such an easy thing to say. Like, if you're going to tell me something like that, you need to actually back it up and verify it. If you simply watch the game back, the effort was was not there. You see plays happening. You see players, especially I saw Scotty Middleton just kind of shrugging his shoulders and walking off the floor and the the energy has not been there from Ohio State basketball and I get it Chris Holtman has said it's not a problem this year of leadership someone's got to step up and honestly at this point someone's got to break a clipboard someone's got to stomp their feet someone's got to get teed up someone's got to show me that you give a crap about Ohio State basketball because this is the worst that Ohio State basketball has been program-wise, health-wise, in this century. It is now 13-8. and eight. It is now 12th in the Big Ten Conference. Ten years ago, this was a team that was finishing 4th in the Big Ten, for example, well on its way to an NCAA tournament run, and was looking forward to playing teams like Northwestern. Instead, Northwestern looks forward to playing teams like Ohio State. Someone show me that you give a crap. Please, at this point, that's all I can ask for. I don't care if you're mad. I don't care if you get angry. Give me some emotion and someone do something to prove you care about Ohio State basketball. You want this to work. Frankly, I'm tired of hearing Bruce Thornton and players saying, we're going to get this right. We're going to fix this. We're going to get back on the right track. Chris Holtman says the effort wasn't there tonight. We're not confident enough. I don't care about any of that anymore. I really don't. And, and if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that getting this type of frustration from me is very rare. I react slowly and I try to give measured analytical takes that are not lazy and that are not clickbait. And that limits me from getting a big following on Twitter because I don't tweet hashtag fire Chris Holtman after every game. Not going to apologize for that. It's my job in my opinion, to give real Ohio State basketball content. But at this point, it is do or die for Chris Holtman. 
It is do or die for Ohio State basketball because it is in a very, very, very bad spot at this point in time. And I did not mean to rant like that. We're going to go over the time I, I anticipated here, but sometimes that's how it goes. All right. Let's get into a couple more takeaways from this game. But before we do that, we're going to talk college basketball analytics, cbbanalytics.com. You can go there right now on your phone, on your tablet, on your desktop, probably other devices that don't come to mind right now, and have access to the stats that Division I college basketball programs have access to to get prepped for every game and self-scout. You can see a bunch of numbers there in the Big Ten. On Ohio State, on specific players, player profiles. You can see players and and their box scores and and much more analytical stats with traditional shooting and advanced shooting and scoring contests and shooting by zone and many, many more stats, including building your own charts and graphs and free t- tutorials included as well, which we love. Go to cbbanalytics.com, sign up for an account, Use the code SHOT, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, SHOT, short four views from the SHOT podcast, to get an entire month free, and then you can thank me later, and be the smartest college basketball fan in the room, cbbanalytics.com. Okay. Takeaways. So, I feel like this has been a bit of a, a discussion, at least with me, and I've gotten a little bit of pushback on this. I've got other people who have agreed with me and then I see people going multiple different directions with this topic on Twitter on X and it is is Ohio State just bad or is their talent here and it's just not meshing and I'm here to give you my take so Ohio State's freshman class ranked eighth in the nation it's sophomore class it's freshman class including Devin Royal Tayson Chapman Austin Parks and Scotty Middleton. Sophomore class with Bruce Thornton, Bryce Sensabaugh, of course, included in that, and others as well. Obviously, Roddy Gale. That sophomore class ranked eighth in the nation, just like the freshman class. The freshman class has Scotty Middleton, Devin Royal, getting somewhat regular minutes. The sophomore class has Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, Felix Akpara, all getting regular minutes for Ohio State. That's five players right there. You've got a sixth player in Felix, or sorry, not Felix Akpara, in Jameson Battle, who came in as a top 40 transfer and received all Big Ten honors and was a huge piece for Minnesota. Plenty of experience as a senior. You've got another piece in Zed Key, who missed half of the Big Ten season last year and still was an honorable mention all Big Ten selection and is a senior. Has plenty of experience. Evan Mahaffey, plenty of experience. He played an entire season last year at Penn State and a good Penn State team. Dale Bonner, lots of experience at Baylor. This team has way too much talent to be producing the way that it is. Way too much talent. Two top eight classes, You've got a top 40 transfer portal guy. You've got an all Big Ten guy who's got multiple years of experience playing at Ohio State. This team has way too much talent to be losing 6 of 7 in the Big Ten, to be losing by 25-plus against Northwestern, losing by 12 at home to Illinois, to be losing to Nebraska. I don't care if they're good this year. Quite frankly, I don't care at all. It's Nebraska. 
You don't go lose by 14. You don't lose to Michigan. You don't beat Rutgers by four and almost lose a freaking lead to them. You don't lose Indiana. Sure, some of these games can come up, but back to back to back to back, no. It's inexcusable. And at this point, this team is way too good to be playing the way that it is. I I had to share that simply because I see people talking about it. So if people are talking about it, they're probably wondering about it. So I want to get my take on it. Let's get that out of the way. All right. Ohio State scored 75 points in this game, and it still wasn't even close to good enough. Ohio State shot 50% from the field. When is the last time Ohio State shot 50% from the field in a game this season? You would have to go all the way back to December 3rd when Ohio State beat Minnesota. Nearly, nearly two months ago. Nearly two months ago. That's the last time. Those types of games are few and far between for Ohio State. And they finally do it, and they're not nearly good enough, still offensively, to win. Why? Because Illinois was 52% from the field and 41% from deep. Illinois also, talk about rebounding margin, plus 7 on the glass was Illinois. Plus 4 offensive rebounds. You cannot score 75 points in a game and still essentially get blown out. I mean... I don't know how you would define a blowout, but Ohio State wasn't really in position to win this game for any portion of this game. Feels like a blowout to me. Not good enough. Another takeaway. Ohio State failed to do the two things they needed to do in order to be in this game. Number one, keep Illinois off the glass and out of the paint. Illinois scored six more points than their season average when it comes to points in the paint. Illinois, minus one points under their season average and second chance points that's a double negative what i mean to say is they scored one less point than their season average season average and second chance points whatever that's a rounding error not really a big difference you can't indict ohio state one way or another on that one and illinois also plus one offensive rebounds over season average and they were right at their season average when it came to rebounding overall so If that's the case, can you expect to beat Illinois when they're much better points in the paint-wise than they traditionally have been? And in the rebounding numbers where we knew they were going to be really, 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 really good, and that's how they score a lot of their points, is from offensive rebounding. When you simply allow them to do what they're used to doing, do you expect to win? No, probably not. Second key to the game in this one, first was keep Illinois off the glass and out of the paint. Number two, Don't let Terrence Shannon Jr. get downhill. Now, he had a bunch of open looks to start this game, and he just missed them. That's already a concern because you don't expect a player like Terrence Shannon Jr. to continue to miss those looks. He finishes this game with 23 points. 10 of those points, mm, yes, 10 of those points, no, sorry. Uh, 16 of those points coming off of non-threes. 10 of those points were two-point field goals, six from the free throw line. I said, hmm. I should have pulled this. I should have pulled this from the preview episode. I didn't. Would have made me look good. Too late now. I said, you cannot allow Terrence Shannon Jr. to get downhill. You also cannot allow him to get to the free throw line because he's elite at drawing fouls. Six free throws in this one for Terrence Shannon Jr. A very, very good free throw shooter and a very, very good player at drawing fouls. Six of six from the free throw line in this one. Not good. Ohio State 
and its tournament chances are about as grim as it can get before we reach just straight up impossible. Ohio State is one and three in quad one games this year. That one win came over Bama before Thanksgiving, I think. I think, or right after. Ohio State is 0-4 in quad two games. Now, the Buckeyes haven't lost a game outside of quad two, quad three, quad four. They're undefeated, but that doesn't really mean anything when you have no production in quad one and quad two games. Now, Ohio State sits at 13-8 and and 12th in the Big Ten. 13-8. At this point, and I went through it in the last episode, but I'll, I'll continue to go through it. I said Ohio State coming up in this stretch. Wow. Wow. I said even going back into the Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska stretch, you got to pick up two wins there. They didn't do that. They picked up one. Then you get into the Northwestern, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana stretch. Now, you come into a stretch here where you get out of Northwestern and Illinois. Do you expect losses there? No. Are they surprising? No. You have Iowa, Indiana, and Maryland. You basically have to win those three games, which gets you to 16 wins. Would definitely help to get a win over Wisconsin or Purdue. Let's say they do. That gets you to 17. You get a win over Minnesota. That's 18. Let's say you scrape by and somehow beat Michigan State at Michigan State. What is that? 18 or 19? And then you've got Nebraska, Michigan, and Rutgers. If you win two of those games, you are still struggling to get to 20 wins. At this point in the season, and that is with maybe winning games that you should and picking up some wins that you shouldn't along the way. And this team has not shown that it can win games that it shouldn't. So at this point in the season for Ohio State, if you want a chance, you've got to have 20 wins going into the Big Ten Tournament and then pick up at least two in the Big Ten Tournament. Then you're at 22 wins playing in the Big Ten. You're going to have a shot. You're going to start to stack up a couple quad one wins and you're going to have a legitimate shot to be in. But the margin for error at this point for Ohio State, at the end of January, not the end of February, end of January, Ohio State is basically playing for a NCAA tournament eligibility. Not good. Uh, Ohio State's defense, yet again, a huge problem. Talked about this more than anything in the preseason by the team. It was a clear focus from Chris Holtman to Bruce Thornton, even to the newcomers, Jamison Battle, Evan Mahaffey, they mentioned, hey, this is a clear focus for us. We are going to be a better defensive team this year. I asked Sid Key about it. He said, it's going to come down to effort. That's the number one thing. We just got to want it more. At this point, this team does not want it more. If you didn't hear Steven Bardo say it 17 times in this one, Ohio State has allowed 80 plus points now in three straight games. They are not getting stops just like last season during the Horde stretch. And when Ohio State is going to be so inconsistent offensively, defensively, you got to figure it out. You got to find an identity. And right now, there's no identity. There's no, this team's good offensively. There's no, this team is good defensively. There's no, this team can run in transition. Certainly, not a fast break scoring team. Slowly paced team. It's not, this team scores a lot off second chance points. This team can get hot from three. None of those things are true. And when you deal with that, and you don't have consistent production and effort defensively, you're not going to win games. The defense, I think at this point, is more of an issue than the offense. And Ohio State should not expect to win any games of any magnitude moving forward in the future if it cannot fix its defensive struggles and woes.
Lots of uh, lots of fire and brimstone in this one. A fiery episode where Ohio State drops one to Illinois. It's disappointing, of course, for sure. But the good news is this. If you would like to travel to Iowa to watch Ohio State take on Iowa on February 2nd, on Friday, tickets are starting at $4. And that is as cheap as they will be for the rest of the season as of right now. $4. You can get in. $4. That's less than a coffee or other things you may purchase. So there is that. That's the good news I bring to you is that even if Ohio State is going to lose to Illinois and look somewhat pathetic at times, at least you can go watch them play at Iowa for $4 before taxes, of course, and extra fees. All right, well, we're going to have you covered for that Ohio State game against Iowa coming up on Friday night. Buckeyes will be in the national spotlight. It's a Friday night in college basketball. Not a lot of teams playing. I like that the Big Ten takes advantage of it and puts two teams out there to play and be in the spotlight on Friday night. Buckeyes have a shot to pick up a win. Iowa certainly beatable. In the Iowa preview episode, we'll talk about how Ohio State can win and how likely it will be. But until then, again, please subscribe, follow if you haven't already. Appreciate you listening today more than you could ever freaking comprehend. I will shut up before you shut me off. Go Bucks.